Hello, everybody, and welcome to the finals edition of the world's most popular Nuggets podcast, hosted by a Serbian speaking in English for some reason. Welcome to the DNVR Nuggets' Serbian Corner. My name is Miroslav Cuk. When I'm not giving interviews to the Time magazine or BBC radio, I'm engineering my way through a sleep-deprived lifestyle while hoping to see the Nuggets championship with my heart still beating. Since you saw me, uh, saw me last, uh, last time here, the Nuggets finally got their finals opponent in a near-perfect scenario of a better matchup after a seven-game series. Series. Adam told me I, I was making, messing that thing up. Uh, Miami was everything they were advertised to be, a gritty group led by an awesome coach with a superstar in Jimmy Buckets that doesn't care about his own numbers. Relatively easy win in game one, a kind of a letdown loss in game two at home, an impressive road win in game three, and finally last night, a win in a game where Nikola and Jamal combined for 13 from 36 from the field, Nikola was also in a Scott Foster-induced foul trouble that took him out of the game for half of the fourth quarter. In a moment, Miami was on a 8-0 run to cut the deficit to five points. Denver just finds ways to win because, and this is corny to say, they play the right way. Nikola and Jamal killed the hit in game three with a two-man game. Coach Spo decided to completely that, uh, take that away. No problem. Here's 48 points from Gordon and Bruce Brown. They really are dissecting teams the way the Spurs did for so many years, but in a way more attractive and physically more dominant way. Okay, that's enough rant from me. Let me introduce my awesome panel. We have a full house today, as we should, because it's a cele celebratory kind of show today. We might go long, so apologies in advance. So let's start with a Serbian corner debutant, one of my favorite Twitter follows, a comedian, an actor, a producer, a director, but most importantly, the Denver Nuggets diehard, Andy Jouet. What's up, Andy? What's Say something up, funny. What's up, Miroslav? Oh, that's how it works for sure. Um, <laughs> all I know is I'm glad we're here uh, celebrating together. It could have been a rough not rough, but a, a more of an anxiety-ridden podcast, and I'm glad we're not in that position. Uh, I was at Ball Arena last night for the watch party, and it was rocking, and I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. Uh, get it just kind of letting the realization that we're probably going to win the NBA championship on Monday. I'm not counting our chickens. Like you said in your intro, Miami is very gritty, tough. They deserve all their flowers, and they're actually like, you know, we could be playing a team that we hate or something. We could be playing a team that's much more villainous, and they're not. They're really – they play basketball the right way as well. And uh, like you said, we're just sort of outplaying them and out-dominating them. So I'm glad to be here on a celebration uh, Saturday. How exciting were the playoffs for you until now? Did you feel nervous at any point in time? Because I'm kind of like cruising through these – playoffs it's two months of pretty sweet ride for me it, was it stressful for you honestly until last night I, my anxiety has been kind of <laughs> kind of high the whole time um so it's a little bit of the opposite just because um i grew up in detroit and uh so the pistons are really my first love and i've lived in colorado for 23 years look at that baby what flavor is that orange okay this is orange yeah 
I love that. Actually, um, our mutual buddy D-Line got me a wonderful Joker energy drink, and I've been saving it for an emergency situation. And I thought I had to use it. A, was going to have to use it a couple times, but I have not yet. So I think I'm going to drink it on Monday. But um, it'll be my first taste of the excitement. But uh, but no, I've been in, I've been pretty much anxious throughout. Um, cautiously confident, cautiously optimistic, like you. But um, once the Lakers series got over, there's like okay, there's a huge sigh of relief. It's like damn, we kind of, you know, they were definitely a solid crew and much more solid since the all-star break changes and the trade deadline changes. But um, I was feeling pretty good. And then the first game starts and, you know, the anticipation and the anxiety is high for a second. It's like, Oh, we handled it. We're, we're fine. Then game two comes and I'm really in trouble, sort of <laughs> uh, tight chest and anxious again all the time. And, uh, and then like, honestly, last night was just a release of a balloon really um, because game three, we won. We, we really looked good, even though like they didn't play well in some of these games, like that you, you just sort of have the general confidence that they're in command. And then last night was just honestly, after the second quarter, it was euphoric. I, I, I hadn't been emotional really this entire playoffs. I've just sort of been in, I want to kick everyone's ass mode mentally and competitively. <laughs> uh, and then last night, um, you know, when Uncle Jeff hit that three, when KCP hit uh, a couple or hit that shot, when Bruce and AG took over, when Joker passed that kind of ball down in the post to Aaron Gordon and he caught it and just easily and acrobatically put it in, uh, it was all like an emotional letting. So I, I've been anxious the whole time, and now I feel like great and able to acknowledge what we both know, which is that we're probably going to win. Great. We're, we're going to get into the weeds of everything you were uh, just talking about in more detail. So let's let's make it more crowded on the screen right now. Great. Let me introduce uh, a guy who is making a return to the Serbian corner, a legendary Nuggets writer, and also my designated sports injury prognostician. One of the guys that lured me into the world of podcasting, it's Gordon Gross. How are you Glad feeling here, after man. last night, Gordon? It's great. I mean, this is this is the difference between two two and three one is so immense, like it can't even be stated. Just what it does to a series, and being able to go up three one by taking two in Miami, yeah, that was that was a good night, man. It was a good night. <sighs> we just we were just talking just just before before the show, and it's it's like I mean I know. Like the guys from the DNVR, they've been talking to 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 guys from the Nuggets before the playoffs began, and they were super super confident before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's like we got this man. Don't worry. Don't 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 think about the March. March doesn't mean anything yeah, right. in the NBA. Like like we are ready for for we know what's what's in front of us. And I was really really impressed to see that they were not bullshitting at all. It it was just they're not. They're, they're on a mission. Well, and the thing about the thing about the Nuggets, I wasn't afraid of anybody in the West. So, like when the Nuggets had a bad march, didn't matter to me. They could get their legs under them against the the Timberwolves. That would be fine. I thought the Timberwolves might actually go six games just because the Nuggets might be, still be rusty because they hadn't played real basketball in like a month. But but the Nuggets didn't care. They just you know threw the Timberwolves overboard and then marched through the Suns despite the Suns having some incredible shooting for a couple of games. 
and then, you know, dunked the Lakers. So that wasn't my concern. I figured the Nuggets were destined for a finals appearance, and then it was just based on who they met and in what condition they got there. And the Nuggets got here basically healthy, and the rest of the East imploded. Um, I mean, Miami did their part to help them implode, but um, this is a matchup. If you asked me who I wanted to face, yeah, bring me the heat. Like, that would have been great. So uh, it's been pretty, pretty comfortable, all things considered. I agree. I agree. Okay, let me introduce another returning offender. He is a singer, a trombonist, a successful businessman. You're reading his work for many years, first on Denver Stevenson for the last almost four years on the ddnvr.com. He is visible Mike Olson. Hello, Mike, and what's cooking? I, I think I'm going to have to change my resume to singer and trombonist first. I, I hadn't really considered leading that way, but... Um... Also, it's your dad. Don't forget that part. I, uh, God, thanks, Gordon. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm good, Miroslav. Um, I am, I am pretty nearly past the hangover at this point. Um, that was, that was a good night. That was a good evening. Um, my goodness, did uh, I think Gordon said it well? To uh, you're a little nervous coming out of our homestand one and one. Um, pretty, pretty cold blooded stuff to go down to Miami and just take them. Just take both games so i know I that the job is not done but after 30 years of being a nuggets fan like like how does, does this feel man uh i will i i kind of feel i think like the team does i will trust it when we're done i um i <laughs> you know um what was it five years ago that the nuggets didn't six years ago they didn't make the play in on that game 82 yeah uh, i think i think Joker still remembers that feeling. I think we all still remember the feeling of you're right on the edge of it. Let's let's go get it. Um, but it's it's heady stuff, man. I'm it's it's remarkable. It, folks who set through 17 win seasons, 11 win seasons, mm -hmm. um, here we are. Congrats! Wow, that that sounds like some Philadelphia seasons, <laughs> recent, recent Philadelphia seasons. <laughs> okay, and now a guy I don't need to introduce to you. You all recognize him lurking from his bed cave with his R2-D2-shaped pressure cooker behind him. He is the host of a podcast. I'm Cooking still up a championship. Trying... <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm still trying to speak back into existence called The Dig. My friend for many years, Nick Herzog. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Um, I'm still uh, working my way through the hangover this morning, so don't expect a ton from me other than just good vibes and a lot of smiling. Probably. <laughs> That'll be enough, man. Yeah. You so you guys got fucked up last night. Got Carry it, the got show. It, got it, got it. Uh, people, I promise I'm not letting anybody else in. So this is this is the full screen. <laughs> this is the full squad for today. Okay. So I want to start off this show in a way Adam Mares wouldn't like because he doesn't think coaching is the most important nor most interesting thing in the NBA. But you know what? Screw you, Maris. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> he doesn't know but, anything. <laughs> well, well, technically, he kind of is. But hopefully, he will not be watching this or listening to it. Okay. Michael Malone is tied for the worst coach in the NBA together with other 29 head coaches, according to their own fan bases, right? And yet, he and his staff prepared his team for every situation they have been put in so far. They know everything about their own game. They are hiding their weaknesses and hitting the opposition 
with a haymaker after a haymaker. How much of this great success, I know it's not completely done yet, guys, but we're almost there. How much of this great success should be credited to Moach? Let's start with Gordon on this one. I mean, a lot. Uh, Malone, Malone has been as close to perfect as you can be as a coach. Your job is uh, don't get out coached during the game, make adjustments between games, get your guys ready to play every game. Like that's your job. Um, and the Nuggets have done all of that. Like Spo got him in game two, uh, but he, Malone's not the greatest in-game adjustment guy. That's not his thing. Um, and Spo does like whatever he wants. He'll change stuff up by quarters. He'll change it up by possessions, whatever. Um, but Malone saw it on tape, made his changes. And really, for me, it's it's his ability to get buy-in from all of his guys all the time. Um, Malone used to be more hot-headed than he is now um, and would take the losses even more personally than he does now, and it would get very biting at times. But he's really bought in. It's more a... Uh, you know, not being satisfied with wins, not getting too, too low about the losses and really leaning in on the the family on three has been like the success mark this year for me. Um, that, uh, I mean, he trusts his on-court guy. Murray is Malone on the court and he trusts him to do what he's supposed to do. Um, it took a minute for Malone to understand that Jokic is not going to die with every possession the way that that Malone does but that he's exactly as competitive as Michael. Um, and it took him a minute to figure that out, but they've really got this going right. They're not turning the ball over. All the points that Malone hit, um, you know, in all of his post-game and pre-game speeches, you know, take care of the ball. Like, make your defensive adjustments. Know your personnel. The Nuggets have been great at that. They have studied the plan. They've done the plan, except for game two, which, you know, they still played good. They just, you know, Miami had one of their ridiculous shooting moments and the nuggets weren't quite prepared for the fact that Miami was going to react to them in the moment. Once they locked it down, it's been over. Like the, the nuggets have owned this series and a lot of that grinded out, you know, mentality in this series is, can be attributed to Malone. He's absolutely been key. Anybody else have feelings about Michael Malone? Yeah. I think you should get a lot of credit. Um, I think that, um, Coaching and leadership, not only in basketball, but life and modern society is super undervalued. And I think that we all have sort of, not us presently, of course, we're all well adjusted and have everything figured out. So thank God for us. But uh, no, I mean, you know, we're sort of in this instant gratification, social media society. That's a little bit of a lazy trope. But for real, whether you're in a small business, big business, you know, you're in a production, you have a, whatever you're. You know, you're leading a Serbian podcast. Um, leadership is important. And I think that, you know, we've all witnessed um, in my 20 plus years in Colorado, some not so great coaching. Um, and there is a huge goddamn difference. And, you know, so a lot of people, will, you know, the lazy people on the Internet or anywhere else will say, oh, you know, anybody could have coached this team to with Joker and Jamal and these types of players. Um, they have the best assembly of players for sure they've ever had. But you know what? It takes a it takes a really good personality to coalesce those personalities. And, you know, when Chuck Daly 
with the Pistons, the bad boys and those guys in the late 80s, they were not a very good team for a while. And Chuck Daly showed up and he said, hey, Rodman, Isaiah, Mahorn, Lambeer, Dumars, whatever. He got them all on the same page. When Pat mm-hmm. Riley got to the Lakers, he restored their cohesion, all those things. And I'm not suggesting necessarily that Malone is there yet, but he, I feel like he should be. Um, you know, he's the fourth most tenured coach in the league, of course, but he, he really, uh, in my opinion, has stayed the course philosophically, and that's probably the hardest yeah. thing to do for the front office or for a coach. And he has not let up on the message that he said started seven, eight years ago. It's the same message. And it's one of those things where, like, you mentioned Mike's a good dad. And, you know, I'm sure Mike has uh, taught his kids some things that maybe he's said a million times. And a million times they didn't listen or kind of just scoffed at it. The million and first time when they figured out that Mike was correct, they were like, oh, and that revelation, I feel like, has sort of happened a bunch of times over the last few years. And I just want to say that I, I, that's like a winning culture thing that we all talk about now because the Denver Nuggets franchise did not have it. If you look at mm-hmm. those, those first few games where Jamal and Joker played and you look in the stands, uh, the 300 level is almost empty. Uh, about half the fans are from the other fan bases. Um, all that changed. But then you get into – what Gordon touched on, which is like X's and O's, rotations, all that stuff. We can all have differing opinions on that. And I agree with, with what Gordon said. But also, he's just made like some fucking ballsy moves where he has gone outside his comfort zone. Like, he, we all know we've been watching long enough that he's not like Mr. Rookie. You know, right. he's given that trust to a couple young players this year, both in the regular season and the playoffs, that to me bodes well for the future. Uh, and I also think the way this is going to be a sort of like not a controversial statement, but the way that he's handled MPJ um, in terms of MPJ's roller coaster of vo- not volatility as a person necessarily or anything, but like MPJ has been through it, right? He's, he was injured, whatever to, to, to just get MPJ mentally to a place where all he wants to do is win. And he's going to let, you know, he's not, he's not letting, but he's, on board with having Malone on record saying, I just want to win coach, whatever we need to do. That shit is almost masterful in my opinion. Um, so I think Malone should get a lot of credit. We're all humans. He's, he's done some bad bridge timeouts. He's made some non, he's been slow to put people in. He left Faku in for God, maybe a little bit too long last year, all these things that people on the internet bitch about, but you know what? He's a pretty goddamn good coach. And he has, badass coach father is probably very proud of him and i'm uh, yep. thrilled that he is the culture guy for our team yeah. just 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 one one detail about M- M- the mpj and michael malone relationship i think mpj and his family uh, needs to to get a lot of recognition for that part as well because not yeah. everybody got bought in in the nuggets we've seen bones mm-hmm. island leaving like three months ago because he wasn't bought in into the idea of, of being a, a, a team-first guy. So a big credit to, to uh, Michael Porter and his family. Also, I, I, just, I just want to, to give them props as well. Sorry. Absolutely. His, yeah. his, I think his dad helped bridge, bridge the gap for sure, and obviously his, his sister and other people, but I totally agree with that. Yeah, I was just thinking that back on, on Malone for a second, that um, – with a lot of great teams, I think it's hard to distinguish 
like or or to separate the coach from the team that has the success, right? Like, are the Patriots the Patriots if Bill Belichick isn't there? Are they the Patriots if Tom Brady isn't there? But Bill Belichick, like, I, I don't know. Like, how, how do you, you know, like in other words, like you know, Malone has been with has has built this this team along with the, the players and the and the, and the front office. Um. And we see that what a cohesive unit that they've become and an identity that they've developed. And like you, you guys have pointed out, definitely a lot of that identity has come and come from alone. But who's to say if you know just because you know the Nuggets got got Jokic, got lucky <clears throat> drafting him, you know, on, in a different situation, a different team, a different coach, maybe he's not the, the best player in the world right now. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a different organization doesn't build around that guy. Maybe they don't they don't see what they have there. Are they, are they building correctly around him? I mean, um, I, I think we're seeing we have kind of a similar player in Sabonis in Sacramento right now. And, and, you know, could they be doing more to build around him the way that the Nuggets built around Jokic um, moving forward? I wonder if they'll pick up some some hints from that. But, I, you know, I guess what I'm just saying is like at this point, you know, they've been together for so long and they've obviously built something special. Malone has to get a ton of that credit. It's not like you could just pop right. in some other coach here and and fix some problems or, or, or something like that. So I, I think we're well beyond Malone's slander uh, now after this run. I think the only other thing I'd tack in there, and, and it's all great stuff, is um, I really admire how Mo has taken the last, well, every season to grow. He's mm-hmm. he's a better coach every year. Every year he is not just working on his guys, he's working on himself and the treatment of MPJ. That's a growth step for Malone. The playing of Christian Brown and the trust in a rookie this season, that's growth for Malone. The the non-platoon and platoon minutes that were spent this season, that's growth for Malone. He's he was playing chess a lot more in this postseason. Um, you know. Bruce Brown proved to be a smart move for MPJ yep. last night, right? Mo is playing some smart moves this year, and he's got more players on the board to play chess with at the same time. So, yeah, a lot of credit to him. Good stuff. Some really, really good chess pieces he has <laughs> in these eight guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But it's, it's, it's always connected. You cannot be a great coach without great players, and, you know, you, you cannot prove to be a great group of guys without a great coach. So it's it's all connected. Okay, before we continue, uh, we're going to take a short break. So everybody close your eyes, listen to these important messages, and <laughs> spend, spend, spend. All right, segment two. Last night's heroes, Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown. Starsky and Hutch, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Freddie and Lawrence. What you didn't recognize those last two? It's Steve Martin and Michael Caine in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Wake up, people! Come on, solid call, Nick. You just lost everyone under 40, by the way. I was gonna say. <laughs> but I love you, Miris. Yeah, I'm so with you. Come on, but man. yeah, that's I'm not here. the audience. <laughs> hey, hey, under 40 audience, get cinema, cinema rel- uh, literate and uh-huh. stream all the things that Miroslav talks about, please. He's, he knows yeah. what he's talking about. So Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, one of the best comedies oh, in the classic. history of, yeah, of yeah, movies. Yeah. Okay, so Nick, Sir? I called Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown a couple of lions, and that was before 
Bruce made 11 points in the fourth quarter. How impressed were you with the two of them last night? Well, first of all, you didn't give me credit for the win last night. Uh, this jersey is now undefeated. I just want you all to know. So I get well credit done. for both wins. Is it, is it laundered, though? Is it? But what? what's <laughs> can't see. What jersey is it? Oh, it's the Jokic. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, the standard one. They don't make a – I didn't have a lot of options for my size. So I got what I got. But – um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take a, a, an ounce of that of that credit. Um, but yeah, I mean, where to start? I guess Aaron Gordon is where we start, probably with Hero from the game last night. Uh, Bruce Brown, I thought, really was the the nail in the coffin on like the series. Really, I mean, I think when 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 he hit that three, it was like. It, basically you just saw people in the stands just get up and like walk out like <laughs> in yeah. that moment, you know, it was just, that's it. It's over. Like w- they've been blitzing Murray all game long. Um, totally taking, trying to take him out of the game and making things brutal on him. Um, so to have, that's what you see. So you had to have it. You had to have somebody else. You had to have the Aaron Gordon game. You had to have the Bruce Brown game. Uh, and then, and then you add in, in the Jokic foul trouble, the NBA was doing what it could to try to keep this thing competitive. Uh, Scott Foster did his job like he usually does. Um, and uh, it just, they don't have enough, you know, and it's, it's because of those other guys too. You know, you're going to, you have to, to get to this level, you have to have the the star too, who can carry your team that you, you know, every game, what, what you're going to get from them, but then it's going to be the other guys that win it ultimately. And right. the Nuggets just have better other guys. They're better top to bottom and Bruce Brown put on a show last night and AG was probably the best player on the floor last night. It was his best game as a nugget. I think anybody else couldn't agree more. I he did, he did, but I mean, he hit everything, but so AG's first half, he made everything three pointers. He's, you know, defending, he's grabbing rebounds. He's a passing dude had what? Six assists last night. Like just in the middle of every play was Aaron Gordon. Mm -hmm. And then Bruce Brown came in off the bench. Like he was on fire and just ran up and down the court, (laughs) like at a hundred miles an hour doing everything, you know, finishing, you know, over bam, you know, making shots, defending his ass off. Like those, those guys in their roles of like, um, I guess mostly thankless, you know, front court defender, and flexible six man, they're perfect. They're perfect. Um, and AG, they've both been especially grateful for it. You can hear it in their interviews um, that they love the fit and they love the team and they love the way that the team plays. Bruce talked about, you know, before how he sometimes just hangs out in the locker room after games with the guys, like he did in college. That was his specific comment, was like I did in college, you know, like, and he's not used to that. That's not something you get in the pros very often. Um, and AG did his time in the trenches for some mediocre Orlando squads, you know, and he, uh, he got paid for that. Uh, but he was in the wrong role there and they asked him to do things that were not like his job night to night. He's not Jamal Murray. He's not Nikola Jokic. That's not his skill set. but he, the, both of those guys really have been perfectly fit for this team with their skill sets. And it makes me kind of sad that this is probably the only year we're going to get Bruce because he's perfect for this, but he deserves to go get paid. Like Aaron Gordon's made a hundred million bucks or whatever in his career so far. 
and he's got another 60 to get with with the Nuggets. And Bruce is about the same age. I think he's one year younger, and he's made like $8 million. So, you know, $100 million, Aaron Gordon can say, yes, I'm willing to give up for the team because I'm still making 20 a year. The Nuggets can't pay Bruce 20 a year. Nuggets can't pay him 15. They can't pay him 12. Like, he's going to go someplace and get paid, but he's going to get drinks in Denver forever because this playoffs run would not have been possible without him. Like, and I, and this is going to be one of those, those teams where I, I know he would love to continue here if it was possible financially, but regardless, this is one of those very, very special years that don't come around that often. And I'm really glad both those guys got to be a part of it based on their journeyman, you know, status for Bruce. He talked about nobody wanting him in the off season. Well, uh, that ain't going to be so the case crazy. this offseason. They're going to want you now, my friend. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy for both those guys. They've both been amazing. They, it turns out, so... ter- ter- sorry, it turns out it's pretty good for a player not to be in a very bad environment like, like uh, <laughs> weird, right? was last year. <laughs> so, so I guess it's, it's, it's good for guys to be in a good situation. Sorry, Mike. No, no. They, I just, they were both so good last night. They were both yeah. so in the flow of the game and and i couldn't especially with aaron i think this is true of bruce too but you know they talked about how contagious steph's game got when when steph kind of kind of exploded on the league i i really think that ends up happening with joker's game as well i think i think ag walked out of last season's playoffs saying i am not a i am, I am not a savvy enough basketball player from from the neck up and I want to go change that and and last night you saw I, I think when Gordon brought up the six assists um Aaron made the right play yeah. time and again and it was great that he buried those threes um that was that's that's an incredible cherry on top but he was he was playing great basketball he was man he was something else and what he's done on the defensive end all all playoff run has been unbelievable i mean he's guarding the best player on every team yeah. uh and these guys are not easy guards these are i mean the the best players now these big wings that you have to you know fight with all over the court now it's you know incredible you know, he's got of yeah. people to go through in the playoffs you're right nick yeah i was just gonna say like obviously <clears throat> um gordon being stranded in orlando so to speak is pretty well documented and i think that when we talked earlier about malone like one of his good things that he's stubborn about is um for lack of a a more specific term team basketball and one of the things that the nuggets are better than than anybody else is getting everybody involved and you know having the complement of players around that they have now including aaron gordon and bruce brown not only on the things that um, the internet seizes on which is every day there's some stat person pulling something where you know, oh my God, Jamal's never done this, or even on other teams, LeBron's never done this, whatever it is. And those are all cool, and they should be sort of digested and and processed because they do have historical significance. But what you will never see is how Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown, and for that matter, at times, Christian Brown, and at, and at maybe a few less times, but at key moments, Jeff Green, and some of these guys have stepped up on the defensive side to the point where it'll never be like, if you pull those stat muse stats in 10, yeah. 20 years, it's not going to show up on anything that you're going to pass along on the internet, whatever that looks like uh, in the future. Um, but what, what anybody who's watching the damn game will know um, there's so many front offices that build teams um, where it's just like 
got to get the hot free agent. Got if oh if we just get Kyrie, Luca will be fine. Oh if we just get whoever, their other stars will be fine. And it's like well, but how do they play together, right? Yep. And Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown. I mean, holy crap! What a goddamn fortuitous situation to have both of those players on the team playing their goddamn ass off night in and night out. You know, Bruce has had times where he's been up and down with shooting, you know, all those things. But you know what Bruce does every night so you can't get mad at him? He dives on the ball. He gets in front of people. His hands are up. He finds ways to get to the basket and dunk the hell out of everybody so that Ball Arena or his teammates go crazy if they're on the road. Um, You know, Aaron Gordon, to be fair, I never saw a scenario before we picked him up where Aaron Gordon would fulfill his potential, even though we all could kind of watch him from afar and go, what a cool, gifted, weird basketball player. Um, You think of him as the dunk man or the physical whatever, who's sort of, like you said, uh, Mike, stranded in Orlando. And he could have been stranded in Orlando and then shipped to freaking, you know, fill in the blank. And we would never know how incredibly special. I mean, you know, if you again, if you watch the games, you know, but, you know, it's really about the assembly of people together and those pieces together and the team elements and staying stubborn about finding compliments to Jamal Jokic mm-hmm. um, and, and so on. And I, I kind of like when we got Gordon a couple of years ago and I believe, you know, it was like there was only like a handful of games where Jokic and Jamal and Gordon played together. And, and we were all just kind of like, this is going to be so fucking awesome when they, when they figure this out. And then Jamal got hurt like immediately. Yep. <laughs> almost. And then, you know, for a year, year and a half, we're all like, this is going to be cool someday. Um, <laughs> and, and now it's uh really fucking pretty cool. cool. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah, that's worked out. Huge, huge props to Tim Connolly for bringing, uh, Aaron Gordon to the team because uh, apparently he was studying Aaron Gordon for months and probably for years and not only his game but his personality as well and that's such a big part of of, of becoming a, a, a true nugget in this era at least so yeah huge huge props to Tim and Connelly. his second Thank swing you. at it like he took the swing with Grant and Grant was the right mm-hmm. skill fit but yeah, not the right personality fit that he felt like it. Cause you're like, Oh, he's willing to come off the bench. This is great. And then you find out after the year, no, not really. He was not willing to do that. He wanted the front line. He wanted all the shots. He wanted, mm-hmm. he wanted to be the first or second guy and he wasn't going to be that in Denver. So he took the same money to go somewhere else. And Aaron Gordon, I, they had those conversations with him before they traded for him. Like one of those behind the scenes, look, man, before this happens, you're cool with understanding that, you get to do a bunch of grunt work, right? You know, and Aaron was like, sign me up. Let's get out of here and go do some real work. And uh, I love that that the second time around, the one thing that was missing with the Grant situation turned into AG and, and he was a perfect philosophical fit. Just even showing up in Serbia or, you know, for the uh, for Eurobasket, um, to, you know, with Jokic. He, he just showed up to be like, yeah, I'm going to support my friend across the ocean. You know, meant a, big, meant a lot to Jokic. Um, I love I love seeing these guys uh, step up for each other, um, and even in the little things, just to say, yeah, I care about you as a person. And Aaron Gordon had every right not to be that way. Like yeah. he's a good-looking guy, he could have just think about his, you know, public image. Like, look at that millionaire. 
having a chill life surfing, you know, in California, whatever. But no, man, he's he's about the right things. He wants to win. He he is such a responsible guy. I would call it like that. Yeah. So he, the other night when they lost game two against Miami, he couldn't face the the the, you know, the presser because he was mad at him for not playing better. He is so yeah. so goddamn responsible and. And yeah, that's that's why he's such a perfect fit. And if you guys okay. saw his, yeah, if you saw his his, um, uh, there was a nice article on him that came out last week, I think, talking about his brother. So he had the older brother who was the faded one, kind of like Jokic did, you know, with his older brother who played basketball and did other In stuff. Belgrade. And yeah, 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 and the friend of the family in Darko who, you know, did his stuff and, and came to the U.S. and was going to be the chosen one. They Those guys watched that happen and are filling out, fulfilling all of these dreams for people who couldn't fulfill them for themselves and taking on the family burden. And for both guys, family is so such a big deal that the, the whole family on three that the Nuggets say after the game isn't just a phrase. Like, that means something to a lot of guys on this team. Murray is a really big, you know, family guy. Um, especially father son, but you know, family guys that uh, Tim Connolly used to talk about how family is such a big deal for him, and he wants to know what somebody's family's like before he signs them. You know, um, because it matters to him, and that matters to everybody on this team, and they're they're paying it back not just for themselves now, but for for everybody who wishes them well on their way. Excellent. Before we move to 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 the next batch of players, I want to talk about. I just want to to thank to all the viewers from Serbia that are watching right now because it's Champions League final game right now. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're with us. Wow. They're with us. So thank yeah. you guys. I really appreciate your your Hello, commitment. Serbia. We love you. <laughs> okay. Right. So, Mike, this is where your storytelling talent comes into play. Uh-oh. <laughs> the, the two out of the eight rotation guys that had the most up and down games in these playoffs are the oldest and the youngest one, Jeff Green and Christian Brown. Mm. Now, Christian Brown had some really good plays last night, but he ended up like a minus 17 at the end. And Jeff had only one bucket, but how huge was that corner three? <laughs> we are talking about the seventh and eighth guy on the team in playoffs. And I think we can say they actually excelled in those roles, especially considering how constant they were, unlike you know the end of rotation guys on the Suns, the Lakers, and even on the Heat. What is your assessment of their play last night and throughout the playoffs? You know, I think it's I think it's funny you had um, asked me about this in terms of the depths of the team, and I thought it was such a great question, Miroslav. Um, I I know that as the fans that we are, we've definitely been paying such close attention to the way this season has unfolded. But you think about just in these playoffs the contributions just that both of those guys have made, right? I mean, you think back to um, you know Jokic saying that Game Three pretty much was was won by the contributions of of Christian right um Jeff has consistently not only provided just those those of the moment plays um in terms of scoring and, and a couple of blocks and things like that but 
um, I think has been probably as proactive as anybody besides uh, DeAndre at just staying in everybody's ear, you know, being that that fifth, sixth coach, just talking everybody up and keeping everybody prepped. Um, I started looking at other teams around the league just to see if there was anybody that had this kind of depth because, you know, now that we're talking about being the team that, in theory, um, from what everybody's saying, has the best player in the league, maybe the best duo in the league, you know, does that how does how do we look from a depth perspective and and you go that far down our bench i don't see anybody else that was coming through these playoffs and i think this was a big part of the reason that we've been as decisively running through these playoffs as we have it's not just it's not just that strength at the top it's the depth that we have as a team cleared down to those players who are making those types of positive impacts play after play. I mean, and, and have been doing so all season long. We've been, we've been practicing for this all season long um, with this type of intensity till maybe that last month of the season, you know, this type of focus on everybody in everybody accepting their role. And those two guys have not only accepted their roles, but have excelled heavily. Bleacher Report wrote a, wrote a story right before the playoffs uh, started in March talking about the seven deepest teams in the league. And I was really excited to see where the Nuggets fell on that list. They did not fall on that list at all. Um, uh, five Western Conference teams on that list. Um, all of them made the playoffs. Um, here we are. Well, if there's one thing that that we've all learned this playoff run is that uh, the majority of the national media hadn't seen a single Nuggets game. Until right. this year, until this run. <laughs> In fact, really until the Lakers series. I don't, I don't think most of them had even watched a full game. It's true. Um, there are still guys in these finals that are talking. Capacity. Unbelievable. Two-time yeah. MVP and these people had never seen him play. There's there's, there's like, still folks talking in these finals as if, can you believe that he can do this stuff? Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, yeah, for he's been years doing it now. For he's, been doing it yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's been, he's been doing it in the summer league, guys. Yeah. <laughs> So, summer league, yeah. summer league is a good segue. Last year, I was fortunate enough to go to summer league, and I got to see Christian Brown play. And one thing that stuck with me is his level of intensity. Um, he he was like, I was a little concerned because he like couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Like he missed. <laughs> all, I think he shot like I don't know what the number is, but if you went and look, I bet it'd be close to twenty percent for from the field in summer league. But you could see the way he moved and the way that he just sort of operated and that was heartening even though the buckets weren't going in you're like all right if a couple of these go in he seems pretty good um his intensity level you could definitely see um you know the high school and college success is well documented all that stuff but that's one of the things i know you asked about brown and green in particular uh but i think one of the things that's absolutely nuts uh is emblematic of what happened the other day too which is that it seems like tim Connolly, michael malone to be fair, maybe maybe Josh Cronk, I don't know, but like the the sum total total of the people up top, top Tommy Balchettis, all these dudes, they're they've been relentless in building this team, and the fact that we had a fucking trade the other day during the yep. goddamn finals to position ourselves, sort of an assumptive vibe that hey, this is probably going to go pretty well. We're going to keep building this thing so that. If and when Bruce does go, the Christian Browns, the players of tomorrow, the Peyton Watsons, who I also saw in Summer League and was like, holy shit, this dude is 
<laughs> may be the real deal. After not being totally sold when we draft him, I was like, oh, no, we're good. Um, it's crazy that I really feel strongly, like, sorry to deter from the point a little bit, but Jeff and, and Christian Brown have definitely stepped up and, you know, throughout the year more than um, in the finals, Jeff Green's, you know, dunks out of nowhere. His games where all of a sudden he's playing like he's 28 uh, and he's, you know, scoring 25 points. Those little anecdotal things where you're like, shit, I understand why Malone trusts him, even just on a talent level um, currently, not just on an experience level. It's wild that if it, what Bruce is, like Gordon said, Bruce is pretty much gone, which just sucks and is wild. But I think all of us will always cherish, like, holy shit, he came in. He was what we thought he could be after nobody really gave him a chance or a look because he's not a glamorous dude. Um, although we all love his country styles, let's be honest. <laughs> um, it's not for me, but it's for Bruce, and that's all that matters. <laughs> but, like, the fact that we're still loading up <laughs> and that, in my opinion – the genius thing about this team, like Jeff and, and Brown, dude, outside of that, we still have Vladko, Zeke, um, you know, Watts, P. Watts going to be huge next year. Like, all these dudes, Jack White is fucking good. Yeah, uh, Colin Gillespie was the best player probably in the summer league last year, and then he got hurt. I, I was, sh- He's a little freaking firecracker, man. So, like, the fact that all these dudes are stacked up and that the style of basketball and the personnel, like, um, to the back to your original point about Jeff and Chris, just plugging them in, it's going to be next man up. Brown's going to be gone. Um, okay, Piwat. Green, probably two. Green, mm-hmm. probably two. So. The guys that we have are great, but guess what? Now we have eight million additional draft picks to play with. Right. We have we don't even know like Ishbia just waived Chris Paul. Like there's gonna be a lot of things that, that are gonna happen in this offseason and they're all gonna be to defeat not only the top end of the Nuggets uh starting five, but their incredible bench. So yeah. we are so goddamn lucky to have any of those dudes and when you talk about family Jeff Green's another dude with just like the coolest fucking family I've ever seen. Yeah. One one more thing on on Christian and Jeff real quick though is Jeff makes mistakes in these games. Yeah, I he, yell about Jeff's mistakes in these games. You know who doesn't give a shit about Jeff's mistakes? Jeff, because then it's about the next play. You know what Christian Brown does when he makes mistakes as a rookie? Forget that mind wipe next play. Like they don't hold it. And get down about it and think about it. It's a memory wipe and we're on with our lives. And that is one of the most crucial things you can do, whether you're in the league 15 years, whether you're in the league for one. Like, can you forget about the mistake you just made to make the right play next? And this whole series, the Nuggets have forgotten their bad plays and gotten back on the horse to go make the right play down the line. KCP keeps fouling shooters. We're going to get into that later. <laughs> but like, you know, but but regardless, he then forgets about that shit and goes back to his job and does his job the next time down the court. Like, yeah, it's, Jeff, it's a crucial thing. Jeff had a couple blown plays last night that were utterly terrible. Um, yes. But like real bad. That thing with Jimmy on the baseline was like uh-huh. unforgivably, unforgivably bad. But, and um, then he I, stepped out for that three. And you're like, and he switched it. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, how did you pull that off if you're not going to make the other easy plays? 
Okay, guys, no. we need to take uh, another you break. You don't want to take any breaks. You, you signed up all of us for this podcast. You Come did on. this Brady Bunch thing, Miroslav. You, yeah. you got to pay for this. This is a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. So we're taking a short break. Don't you dare press that skip button on your podcast playing machine. It's good for the show that you endure the commercials. Probably, I really don't know if that's true or not. So see you in a moment. Okay, segment three, MPJ and KCP, the initial boys. They combined for 18 points last night on six of 15 shooting. Not too bad, just not really on volume. Mike has three three-pointers made in four games of the finals. He's been battling on the boards. He was trying to score by attacking the rim. We've even seen some Euro steps from him after a while. Throughout the final series, he averages eight points and seven rebounds on, let's face it, abysmal 29% from the field and 14% from the three-point line. He's, he was pretty good on, on defense, to be, to be you know, frank. So, Andy, I feel you're a glass-half-full kind of guy. What is your main takeaway about MPJ last night and in the finals overall? I think that my main takeaway is um, he has not played well offensively at all, um, but we still are kicking their ass. Um, so I guess what I would say is is that just like Bruce Brown always finds a way to contribute, I really didn't know if we would ever see the day a couple of years ago where MPJ is capable of um contributing in any way other than coming around a screen or sitting in the corner and hitting a really good shot, which he's very great at uh, most of the time. But, you know, he was 2-11 in the first game, uh, but he was a monster in the first game. You know, I think, you know, these are small sample sizes. So, of course, when you have a bad game or two and the timing is the finals, you start to go, oh, get this guy the fuck out of here and all these sort of like knee-jerk things, it's kind of like you alluded to with um, people's reactions to Malone doing literally anything sometimes. And I think that just like um, that, one of the themes we've had is sort of the unwavering faith of Malone's philosophies. Um, there's like, you know, things are going to go bad, they're going to go good. Um, but, you know, the, the sticking with MPJ, I think the long term of that has really paid incredible dividends because this is not only an 82 game season, then you've got this two and a half month, three month postseason That's exhausting, especially for fans in Serbia who are trying to watch live. Um, and, you know, he, he, you know, he did really great in these other series. So I think that my only takeaway is yes, his performances haven't been particularly uh, earth shattering in the finals. Um, he had 11 last night, I think. Um, but do I think that MPJ's presence, uh, is a deterrent <laughs> for other teams to fuck with us? Yeah, I do. Cause that dude has a flamethrower and you know, his last three games have not been great. Uh, last four games really have not been great offensively. Um, but to your point about the Euro step, um, you know, and, and the fact that, Mike has figured out um, that the team loves Mike. <laughs> and when you watch those post game 
you know, defensive player of the game and, and Malone um, speeches, you see that anytime Mike does well, everyone's thrilled because they like him and they want to see him do well. And I think the uh, everyone needs to be managed differently. And I think Mike probably is somebody who needs praise and needs recognition and needs to feel like he belongs. And he needs to know that when things aren't so great, we're probably going to be like, you know what, man, you, you, you know, it wasn't so great this week. It wasn't so great this series. But I think to sort of gloss over the fact that he really contributed against Minnesota, Phoenix and L.A., it would be remiss of us to just throw MPJ in the trash like everybody on or not everybody, but like a lot of people on the media or in or on the Internet want to do because it's convenient. That's not really basketball. He's I bet you have. I, I mean, I don't know. I bet on MPJ last night. I don't bet all the time, but I bet on him to have a good game uh, offensively. And he almost did. He almost did. Uh, kudos to Malone for not uh, honoring my bets by playing him in the second half very much. <laughs> uh, but it was the right thing for the team. So um, I think that he could very likely erupt at any time, including tomorrow on Monday night. And so let I say, yes, as a coach, if I was one of the coaches, I'd be concerned and want to – figure out how to get him involved again. But also it's like, this dude rips. It's like Jokic, you know, says, it's like, I expect the ball to go in when his shot goes up. It's like the silkiest, most beautiful thing we've ever seen. Um, it, it, it will all normalize the, the the peaks and valleys of his career or his vibe are becoming uh, less volatile and less extreme. And so I think we're, we may be back in one of these, but it's got, it's sort of starting to level out. Forgive the incredible visuals that I've just provided. <laughs> especially um, for the podcast listeners. Especially for the podcast <laughs> listeners. But I think his, the frequency with which he, he has a bad game is going down and the intensity with which he screws up is less. Okay, we have to move uh, along. So Nick, yep. tell me about another guy that took a, a step back in this finals final series KCP he's only averaging 6.5 points per game on like 33% from the field do you do you think he's having a bad series or series or is it just you know what's he supposed to do in these circumstances i mean he's been bad at not fouling three point shooters that's for sure um another one last night <laughs> brutal uh but you know, I, the Nuggets are where they are right now in this series because of defense. But I, I think we need to not like beat around the bush about that. Um, it, it as great as their offense is, and it is historically great, Three it's really not the where finals. the winning is coming. Yes, yeah, not where the, the winning is coming from, and it's not really where the uh, this we were just talking about MPJ. You can even see it with, with him where this team is better when they're focused on defense. Like when, when that's their, when you can tell that they're really dialed in on the defensive end, their offense really does flow out of that. And that's something again, to go back to what we were talking about with Malone earlier, setting the tone. That's something he's always preached is that we're a, a defensive team and, and defense is where we have our uh, sort of our identity built. And for years, I just would kind of rolled my eyes when I hear that. Cause I'd be like, we, we watch these guys, like we're kind of a offense only team a lot of times. Right. Um, but he has 
beat that into them, indoctrinated them with that with that message at this point. And now you really see it in the team where I think they play their best offense when they're playing their best defense. Uh, and it doesn't really go the other way. Often when they're playing their you know, when they're just totally cooking on offense, they, they'll start right. letting the, ga- the foot off the gas on defense. Um, so anyway, KCP, just uh, as, a, as a team defender, as an individual defender, also has had a lot of tough assignments. Um, I mean, j- you know, Jimmy Butler has been kept from going nuclear in this series. I think you have to give KCP, uh, AG, some of these guys that have been on him a lot, uh, a lot of credit for that. Um, so, yeah, he's had his lapses. He hasn't had the big dagger threes that he had in the L.A. series in particular um some of the the, the big games he had against uh, the Suns too from the three point line and, and and as a scorer uh but you know i i think he has certainly been a net positive even with the mental lapses and the sort of how he's kind of disappeared offensively that's just but that's not what they needed from him this series they needed right. the defense yes very very nice analysis okay it's time for our last break uh, for today and let me tease that we will give our official predictions for the Game 5 in Denver in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Okay, last segment here. We will not be talking about Nikola Jokic today <laughs> at all. Because he is the best player in the world, full stop. We'll have to wait for the game five, hopefully finish and and we see the championship. So then we can move into another conversation about his place and the pantheon of best players of all time. We'll come back for that one. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So the last thing I want to talk about today is uh, Jamal Murray. I mean, that's not a thing. It's a person. Okay, so... <laughs> His playoff performance is something we've never seen from him before. Four consecutive 10-plus assist games, not since Magic in the finals, not even Jokic. Two weeks ago, I had Dan Favale of the Bleacher Report here, and he almost fell off his chair when I've asked him if we're going to consider Jamal a top 10 guy in the league after this season. How insane was that question after all we've seen so far, Mike? Top 10. Um, less insane than it sounded when you asked it of him a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Teensy, tiny bit. Yeah, you're, you've, uh, he's, he's climbing that list. Um, I would like to see Jamal find maybe not this level, but um, another level with some consistency during the regular season. And I'd love to have that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about to put him in top 10. Would you take Murray over Booker? Would you take him over? Like that's what you're starting to talk about. Would you take him over Steph? I think Booker should be higher on the list than most people think. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. Like Booker have proven to be an uh, absolute killer yeah. in these playoffs. The thing with the thing with Jamal and the, and his placement in the league is really tough because in the regular season he's okay, like he's fine. He's a nice number two, maybe number three. Like he has one great game and then like a mat game and then you know it. it he's not he, the, the the regular season is not where he shines when every possession matters. 
Jamal destroys you, and that's in the playoffs. And he's the greatest playoff riser of all time. Like it literally, so, even statistically, literally. he is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> statistically, yeah. he is the greatest playoff riser of all time. So it's hard to judge him based on in an 82 game season. No, he's not a top 10 player in the playoffs. Hell yes. In the playoffs, there's only like a handful of guys you would ever take over Jamal. And one of them plays with Jamal. Yeah, I think I think we get hung up on rankings all the time. And I think one thing that's noticeable notable is I don't necessarily always need to hear what he has to say, but I did think it was interesting that Paul Pierce tweeted last night that Jamal is the best point guard in the league. So I think he's at the near or at the top of that specific position. He's, I I think that top 10 and all, you know, top 20, top a hundred, all these things are top 75 that where Jokic got hosed uh, a couple of years last year. Um, Those things are all like interesting to talk about because it is fun to like rank people and all those things. Right. I'll tell you what though, not, not just the five people on this podcast, but anybody who's in the front office worth a damn. uh, Most of the coaches in the NBA would kill to have Jamal Murray on their team in the playoffs. And in terms of top 10 in the playoffs, top 10 player in the playoffs, you know, top 10, that, that I think, um, maybe, you know, he was born for this. Like he, he, he kind of, you know, we have to remember, and we all know, but the rest of the world needs to remember, like this dude, um, was injured almost what definitely cataclysmically catastrophically, you know, for the last, however many months over a year. And, you know, he was in the gym and rehab and all those things and got back to where he needs. But in the playoffs, there are a few people that you want on your team more than Jamal Murray. Uh, and ultimately, that's, that's what matters, right? I mean, that, isn't that's that, right. we're talking right. the that's best true. players in the league. I mean, Absolutely. Like, we're, yeah. we're all building towards these, you know, shit, what? Sorry, uh, 16 games that you got to win? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that is what is important. Uh, you can score 30 a game and not to uh, get too controversial, but there are some nuggets. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, uh, but they're pretty good scorers and not historically the best playoff players. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd much rather have Jamal Murray than any of them uh, because (laughs) sorry, Carmelo, but uh, that dude lives for the stage lives for the opportunity to compete and one of those things, it's like Draymond or any of these other players that may not have the best statistical, um, you know, and obviously they have Draymond, somebody that does have good stats. But, you know, I, in his peak, is there somebody like that that you wouldn't want to have on your team that is that competitive? No. These dudes that live for the really important games is what you want. And Jamal is at the top. When you talked about Lions earlier, yeah. that dude is a goddamn Lionheart. I, w- I would want him on my team over probably any point guard right now in the playoffs, if not any, at least top three. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, I do understand that if you ask really smart people like, you know, Zach Lowe or Bill Simmons or somebody who is a historian of the game, they will always take the, the regular season achievements into account when they say, okay, these are the top 10 guys, these are the top 20 guys in the league. But on the other side of the spectrum, where you have the hot takes shows, right? they're only talking about the playoff success. They're literally 
discrediting the, the regular season. And if we go that route, Jamal is no questions asked, the top 10 guy. Right. That's just the... the I, I don't know. I mean, I hate the hot take shows, but when they come <laughs> to, you know, our cause, it's kind of cool to be there. <laughs> so... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I am. I am definitely a top five guy on this podcast. So um, <laughs> this is thanks, man. Yeah, former Michaelson. Top three to five, dad. Also, because I like to throw my hat in the ring. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> it is time for our predictions for Game Five. It's it's like we didn't already say that we expect Nuggets to win in the, in this one, but I want to make it just a bit spicy. So tell me who's going to win Game Five. What will be the you know the point margin? And also give me a random wild prediction for Game Five as well. So whoever wants to start. All right, I got heat and a blowout. Um... <laughs> spicy. <laughs> Yeah. What twenty-four? Uh, no. Okay. Here's my here's my prediction. Um, nuggets Nuggets are blowing out the heat. We're feeling ourselves into the end of the third quarter, and the Heat go on some nutty run. And every there, Gabe Struess has seven threes in a, in three minutes, and it, they come all the way back, and it's a four point like nail biter going into the end, and the Nuggets hold on to win. I feel like that's the sort of Nug life thing to happen here to get us freaked out <laughs> we're somehow blow this and have to go back to miami um for score uh i'll say i think it's gonna be high scoring i think it's i think things are gonna break loose a little bit in this one um so i'll go like 117 to 112 nuggets so, some kind of wild prediction as well yeah. That's wild. Okay. Okay. Fine. Yeah. 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 Uh, I guess for me, uh, I don't think it's gonna be a, a huge high scoring game just because Miami is slowing the pace to a crawl. So this is one of this is a really slow pace, like 10% slower than the regular season. So they, they have no chance in the up tempo game. Well, they know they know they don't, so they're not gonna have it. And neither team turns the ball over, so you're not having all those extra possessions where it ends in three seconds. So because of that, um, I'm going with, uh, I mean, Nuggets are going to win. I don't see how Miami takes them in Denver. I think it's going to be double digits. Um, I'm going to go, uh, Porter's going to hit five threes because Porter deserves a good game. So, uh, and Jokic does not get a 30-point triple-double, which I know is a shocker. <laughs> it's going to be like 28 points. Not thirty, just to like mess with everybody's bet on the thirty point triple double. Yeah, we didn't talk about what a horrible game he had last night. Only twenty only yeah, twenty three, twelve, and four. We are not yeah. talking yeah. about about Nikola Jokic. We cannot talk about Nikola today. Right. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, Vlatko gets minutes, more than one minute for Vlatko because he's a okay. human victory cigar, and it's not going to be close. Go, Andy. I think that the I, I know that. I mentioned my anxiety at the beginning of the podcast about all of this. I, uh, I it feels it, it's certainly possible that the Heat could win, right? They play the right way. They do all these things. They could hit a million threes. That's their fabric. But unfortunately for them, I think the Nuggets absolutely have proven time and again that when they smell blood in the water, they are ready to fucking yep. eat. And I think that 
winning this championship at Ball Arena will be their singular focus until Monday at 6.30 Mountain Time. And I think that the Nuggets will win handily. I think that for two-thirds of the game, the Heat are going to keep it interesting um, because that's who they are. But, like, I really like the Heat. Um, I really do like his play. Like what is not to like about Bam and Jimmy? They're, like they're just cool dude. Like they just, they're impressive. And I love how they play basketball. They don't have enough guys, guys. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough guys. We are, uh, my, my wild prediction is that AG is going to have, I don't know what his stats are going to be, but he's going to have Aaron Gordon is going to muscle four to five dunks minimum. Um, I think he's going to, emerge as a giant star from all this i think the score will be i know this is nuts but i really think it's going to be like 120 to like 95 i I think that we're going to score the ball is going to go in and i think that um the heat will have taken their foot off the gas earlier than we all think because you can see in jimmy's eyes you can see it he knows that they don't have it He's doing everything in their power to scrape and grind and whatever. But I'm telling you, you look in that dude's eyes, he knows they don't have it. I think and third quarter of game three, they knew. I, I feel like that was I where agree. the thing kind of switched. That's right. I agree. I don't so I say 120-95. AG's gonna have an amazing game. I really hope MPJ has an amazing game. But honestly, I want them to just I, I think Jamal will play well. I I think his to be honest, I think his legs to me look a little tired also. Um, at this point in the season, but I think I think the Nuggets are going to win on Monday. Mike, I think it ends up being a lot. Um, I'm I'm going to just go with a slightly inverted pattern to to Knicks, although I I'm terrified that he's right. Um, <laughs> I'm I I think it's going to be a lot like that uh, Lakers game four. I think the Heat are going to give us everything they've got in that first half. I think they're probably even going to be up by a little bit. I think the Nuggets are going to close that gap in the third, and I think they're going to basically put on a parade in the fourth when the Heat just run out of air and gas and emotions and all of the rest. Um, God, I hope that's how it goes. God, me too. Um, and, and And I think with that, I'm hoping it's a double digit win. Um, I hope that Gordon's prediction is right because my crazy prediction is I think MPJ is going to flirt with a 30-point game in this game. That's beautiful. I, I'm going to round, round this up with, with my uh, prediction. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, first of all, it's safe to say that I know less about basketball than Coach Spo. So it's possible he has something else in up his sleeve that I don't see right now. For me, right now, I have no idea if he has any more moves. Like human growth hormone or something? What is is he supposed to do next? Like what kind of coverage, what kind of scheme can he apply now? Eight on one? Are we doing, yeah. The targets didn't already solve like in flying colors. So I'm not going to predict a blowout because there's no way you can blow the, the heat out. They just will be, you know, uh, uh, hanging on to you until the last second. And it will be probably like a 7-8 point uh, uh, game for the Nuggets in, in Game 5, which is quite quite nice and quite enough for, for a gentleman's sweep, I'm, I'm predicting. And if I need to make a wild one, 
Huh, let me see. Uh, I know I don't have a why. I mean, the eight you guys. You came up with a question. You play. have to have an answer. Yeah, I know. I know, but how can I see Vladko playing? I mean, I don't expect the blowout, so I don't expect like eight minutes of Vladko and <laughs> and Zeke and and. Yeah, guys but your like wild one doesn't have to be somebody water. else's wild one. It just has to be yours. So I, I agree. It's yeah, just, it's, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the wildest thing. Let's have a twenty-five point KCP game All next right. time around. There we so go. So that that would be cool. That would be cool. Okay, guys. Before we go, I think Andy has something to promote behind him. We we see a movie poster behind him. Oh, it's not a movie. It's a TV show, right? Uh, yeah. I I have a pilot um, that we're trying to sell right now that nice. is going okay, but uh, has been uh, in a number of festivals the last month or so uh which is really fun there's going to be we just found out about another one um another couple in october that we'll be a part of but uh yeah there i have a, sh a show called offline that's about life after the internet goes away um it's a dark sci-fi comedy adventure um the cast is michael madsen from all the tarantino movies if you're not familiar if you're over 40 like some <laughs> of us uh <laughs> he's in every Tarantino movie, almost. Um, and then three of the five Broken Lizard guys from Super Troopers, Eric Stolhansky, Jay Chandrasekhar, and Paul Soder. Uh, a French actress named Mathilde Olivier. Um, I have an old link on my Twitter and Instagram right now about a festival that just ended, but follow me at Andy Jewett, A-N-D-Y-J-U-E-T-T, um, on all my socials so you can find out where to watch it next. Um, there could be some cool news soon on it, I'm hoping for yeah I, i'm awesome. hoping for it too yeah that's that's really exciting it's it's always great to to see you know denver people thriving in the in the entertainment industry so that's 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 really cool okay guys uh thank you for hanging uh, with me for the last 75 minutes and thank to everybody who was uh, forced to listen to us or willing to listen to us <laughs> for all this time uh thank you for being awesome human beings and uh, let's see you next time and go nuggets go nuggets go game five <laughs>